And I think you should be set up like any business ready to rock and roll. And if you're not, then maybe this is not the business for you. Like, you know, to me, it's if you want to come in to be a hobbyist, then that's different. But if you're coming in to be a business owner, then act like one, right? So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. I'm super excited today to get to interview John Clyde. So I've met John a couple times at GoBundance events around the US. I've got to meet his beautiful family. Uh, our, our kids have been able to hang out a bit. The, I'm also good friends with, with uh, one of the guys that John works with, Mike McCarthy, and really happy to have him on here. So, so John has done a ton of stuff. He just had a, a new book come out this year, but the, he is the, the regional director, I hope I say this right, of New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania. He also owns six offices, four title companies, manages like 10,000 agents for you know, Keller Williams. So John, did I miss anything there? Did I get that right? Well, I got four kids, you know, all about the kids and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, sales team, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, the only thing that matters is that family stuff, right? All this stuff is just the in-between stuff. <laughs> right. All the big stuff that we try to grow is for that legacy. Absolutely. Some, someone asked me on a podcast last week, they said, Aaron, if, you're, if your income covers your bills, why do you, if you're a hundred percent or why do you keep going? It is like, well, one, you got to keep raising the bar. Like the, yeah, if I stay home and I go nowhere, my, my income pays my bills. But if I want to go travel and do stuff with my family, well, then I got to keep raising the bar. And then the rest is about legacy for them too. Like, well, what about them? What about for my kids? What about when I pass you away? Know, what do they have next? I, I was listening to a podcast that Gary does, uh, the uh, Think Like a CEO. And he was saying that, you know, the reason why you, you want to have that money is God forbid something happens like a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm like COVID, you know, all the, all these things that happen in your life, cancer or whatever, that you don't, you know, unforeseen things that now just suck up your money. And then, you know, if you can't help a loved one, how's that make you feel? So, you know, there's always a need for that and you never know when that need comes. Yeah. You never, it's like, you want to live every day, like tomorrow is it here and you want to have full life experiences, but you also want to be able to create for that legacy or that, that rainy day fund, like the, now, I think we have all learned that the rainy day fund isn't just like the way I kind of thought of it growing up was, I don't know, like a month's rent or something or like groceries. I, you never, I never thought of a, of a rainy day fund to be able to survive a nine month catastrophe, right? Or a medical catastrophe or like, like what's a, so thinking about it that way of really trying to protect ourselves now that we know that like life is unpredictable. Like that, well, I guess that's know, 2020. You know, you learn lessons from children and I, the other day, my daughter comes home from school and she says, dad, I didn't know that people work till they're 65. They take two vacations a year and then they die. Like, yeah. you know, I guess, and she was just like, you know, like that's the, like the, the normal lifespan. Like you go work, you get two vacations a year, you make just enough for ends meet. You think you have enough in your retirement, but you don't. And that's it, you know, and then you kind of live, you know, a very struggling life. That's why I think they said, uh, the bankruptcy people that are bankrupt now, like the, the, the most bankrupt uh, group of individuals in America are 62 and over. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, 
that's, you know, that's horrible. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want that. The, and I think most of our listeners don't want that. That's why most of our listeners have become real estate agents. Most of our listeners have come from other jobs to do that. So when we talk about the nine to five, what your, what your daughter was shocked. What did you do before you were in real estate? I was a New, Jer- New Jersey state trooper. Yeah, I did that for 17 years. So I, I did, I was. Right, you were the guy. You were that was guy that was going to work until he was 65. You were on that path. Yeah, and they, and you know, if you think about it, they tell you, you know, like you're, and I'm sure you, for the same thing, we grew up, like you work real hard, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to make all this money and you're going to retire. But if you really think about it, like if you do the math, like I knew, you know, in 25 years what I would make. Like I know what my pension would be. I know what the benefits would be. And the truth be told, that's not enough to survive. Like four kids, yeah. colleges. I mean, you're you're going back to work. Period. Right. You started doing you started doing the math and the and you know, you'd ask people, you know, why are you still working at 65? And they're like, oh, because I have to. Yeah, it, it was really easy to think like, hey, that gets there. I mean, inflation and everything else really really changes that. So you were a state trooper. You were, you were working hard. You were a state trooper for 17 years. So you had literally started to build into, you know, the pension and everything else. How did you get introduced to real estate? Actually, I I was a, so I became a trooper in 96 and then I became a realtor in 99. So I was doing both careers, dual career Okay. for a while. And, you know, eventually in the book really tells that journey, leaving six figures, that journey from like, you know, going both, you know, I'm, I'm knocking down doors. I'm, you know, uh, having pork chop grease fights, get, you know, you know, all the, the gamut. I was an inner city uh, undercover, you know, I did the whole thing. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm starting to grow this real estate career. And if you remember the early 2000s, the market was going like this. Yeah. So I was just, timing was there. I started a little light investing my sales business started to, to take off and I used those troopers as my customers because, you know, they're all young, you know, nothing to do, you know, in between their jobs. And I'd say, oh, why don't you buy investment properties? And that kind of got that buzz going because, you know, you what I think at the time was hundred percent financing was big. Yeah. You can, get, you can get up to 10. Oh, properties. sure. What? Yeah. In 2000, 2000, 2002, yeah. 2003, ton of that. Yeah. And you can get 10 properties. So I had like, Cops, troopers buying from me like crazy. And then I started being busy as an investor and as a, as a real estate agent and, and kind of doing both jobs. And then, you know, then at some point you start to get that, that mindset shift, like, why am I going to this job when I'm doing so good at this one? You know? Right. Why would you go to the like undercover stage? Like, I can't imagine like what your normal day was like that. Just like you said, like wrestling, getting in fights or whatever, at least having like this crazy one part of your life where you have to be also like concerned for your health and your life. Like I can't imagine doing that job without, without you know, being concerned about your life and your health sometimes. And then the other side of that, you're that you could go do a deal on the weekend or buy a couple of houses. That's like your full month's pay as a trooper. And you got to be going like, why am I, why am I doing both? So that's the title. So the title of your book is leaving six figures. So I imagine that idea was like, Hey, you were getting paid really well as a state trooper though, because you had your 17 years and you were working and how it must uh, must be the story of how you decided to go all in on real estate. I know a lot of our listeners do real estate on the side or do real estate part-time. What advice would you give them to succeed doing it part-time? And then, and then what was it like? Like, what was that final transition point for you? Well, the advice would be, you know, to plan. You know, I don't think it's something you just do and say, oh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm taking you know, all the years of the academy I went through getting shot at and all. I'm just leaving tomorrow. No, you know, you, you, you know, you have children, you got to have a plan. You got to make sure that you, you talk to people you trust and say, Hey, here's the plan. Right. And, you know, I, I shared just, you know, how much I had in my account, you know, uh, the budget for me to live my life. Obviously you have, you know, if you have a significant other, you know, are they okay with that? You know, you, you got this steady career with benefits and, you know, listen, it's a, State trooper in New Jersey is a, you know, is a good career. You know, I don't, you know, I, I think the people that really want to be there, it's awesome, right? It's an awesome job. But for me, I went there every day kind of feeling like I don't want to be here anymore, you know, and it's not fair to me. It's not fair to the people that I'm supposed to help, you know, you know, the public for my, my colleagues. So, you know, besides the plan, I think it's getting over the fear of just like, no matter how much money I had in the bank, it's still scary, right? To give up something that, you, you kind of earn, right? I worked real hard and I, you know, went through all this academy and I went through all these different units and worked undercover. I deserve to get my pension and retire like everybody else, you know, and I'm like three years away from it, you know, like yeah. this close. And, and then, you know, I started to do the math, right? I think the, the excellence or whatever you call it is in the math. So I stood, I looked at the, the numbers and I said, well, I'm never staying past 20 years. And I'm at the, you know, and I probably did this at the 15 year mark. And so if I leave now, this is what I would give up and I'm never going to get my, um, my health benefits anyway. So, so then I start to think, well, I couldn't imagine if I had 40 hours a day back, 50 hours a day back a week, you know, you know, 50 hours of my life to actually go out and do this stuff whenever I want, how much money could I make then? So I started to do the numbers and then it started to come really clear to me, like, wow, like, you know, I, I'm making, you know, four or 500,000 on the side. I couldn't imagine what I could do now, you know, just doing this full time, you know, and that's, that's when, and I showed my wife, I showed friends that I trust and, you know, it's like, dude, like it, you, this, you can leave. <laughs> yeah. It, be, it becomes a no brainer if you're getting shot at, but you're making four or $500,000 on the side. You're like, okay, I know that I wanted to finish this thing, but the I've proved, but you've proven to yourself and others that the, that you were great at real estate. What was your, so how did you go from being a, you know, a, a trooper that also did real estate to now, like now being a regional director, now having 10,000 agents that you work with the, uh, I, you know, what's the, what, what's your cliff notes for what that transition was like from, from 1999 to now? So that's, I mean, that's 22 years, right? Yeah. You know, it was, it was sad because, uh, you know, the mindset shift from me, from that trooper to, you know, you know, I was like 250 pounds. I think I'm like 196, 197 now. And, you know, I was this big macho trooper and, uh, you know, you have a different mindset. And as I started to turn into the business owner, you know, that was different. And guys would talk about retirement with like 20 years left to go. They're like, I can't wait to retire. I'm retiring in, you know, 20 years, one, you know, one week and three days. And I'm like, dude, you got like a lot of years left. And that's, and they all talked about that kind of stuff all the time, like retirement. And I'm like, I, this is sad. Like we're in the, like, you're supposed to be happy with what you do in life. And you're sitting here talking about when you're leaving and when you're going on vacation, and I, and, I, and I think that kept going in my mind. And then I started to be successful in real estate and I started to love it. You know, like you, that chase, right? You know, you're an investor, you, you know, the, the making the money you make, you know, I made a thousand dollars in one day. I remember that day. And that was kind of the pivotal moment for me when, you know, I made as much in one day as I make in a year. 
you know, from flipping houses and from, from the real estate transactions I had that, in that day. And I had the checks in my pocket because I was like the old school guy that like the wad of money and the checks all near me. Yeah. And I, and I went to work that day and they had like a shift party and, you know, everyone's breaking my stones. Hey, you, you're a, you know, this real estate sucks. You should work overtime. We get time and a half, you know, your name's never on the board. I'm time like, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I, I don't care. You know? And they're like, you don't make money. You're a landlord. That's BS. And, and, I, and I was like sitting there like, I, I, I'm so sick of this. And I'm like, you know what? I got something for him. So like a dummy, I go and pull the checks out and say, here, what's is that? Does that stupid? Does that look stupid? And they started passing them around and it went from like the joke to they actually got angry. And you could tell like from that point on, my life was never the same in that environment. It, it, it was like that for me and for them, because they were like, my hobby is making too much money. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, I don't need that job, which makes me really a threat. You know, when, when, you know, you don't care about something, you know, when you're like worried about promotion and things, they kind of got you. But when you don't really care about that, it's like, eh, this guy could care less if, you know, he comes to work or not. And then that's the, the mindset shift for me. And that's when I knew I, you know what, it, you know, little by little, I, I left seven years after that, that incident, but I will tell you, that's when the journey started to click for me. Yeah. When the, the I, I could definitely see why that would be kind of a life-changing moment. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many come. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, Rent Ready, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, Rent Ready is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50. That's Rockstar50. And sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code Rockstar50 to get Rent Ready for only $54. So now you have so many agents that come in and, and work with you and work with your teams and you're, I mean, you're still a mega agent yourself. How many, like, what did you do in volume last year? Our team did 35 million last year. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. how many people are on your team? We have six and an admin. Yep. And is that, so which state, so you're a re- director in three states. What state do you do? Uh, so you so I, I own offices in all three, but I, my sales team is in New Jersey in South Southern New Jersey. Okay. So Southern New Jersey. You're still crushing it there. 
what do you tell a new agent right now about what they should expect in real estate? Because a lot of times they say like, what do you wish you would have known your first year in real estate that you know now? Your first year in real estate was a really interesting time. Um, you know, and your first few years was a really interesting time with the boom. But, but what, do you, what do you tell new agents now? Or what do you wish someone would have told you when you first started in real estate? Well, it wasn't the boom when I got in in 99. Um, I think it started in 2002-ish, three. Okay. Um, you know, so it wasn't that great. But, you know, the, the one thing I always tell people now, and, and maybe you do this in your world, but you got to understand money. You know, I, I think to me, it's almost like real estate's one thing, but I think if you don't understand money, that's the first thing, your budget and all that. Like, I know it sounds it's off topic, but I tell agents now, like, do you even know like how much money you have in reserve? Do you know how much money you need to, to make to actually hit your goals or whatever you're trying to do? And again, I'm, we're talking full-time agents here. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in my mind, right? But part-time agents have a similar uh, thing to discuss. It's just they have another income flow coming in. But if you're a, an agent saying, hey, I'm going to do this job, you know, right now they say you should have not three months, but six months reserve because it's a business, right? If you treat it like a business, you should have your reserves. And I think you should be set up like any business ready to rock and roll. And if you're not, then maybe this is not the business for you. Like, you know, to me, it's if you want to come in to be a hobbyist, then that's different. But if you're coming in to be a business owner, then act like one, right? And know exactly how much money you have, know exactly how much you need to make and how you're going to do it. Because customers are the name of the game. So, you know, how much time do you have to go get a customer acquisition? And, you know, and you know, it might take you what some ramp up time to get it. So if you don't have some reserves, then you're going to be sitting there struggling. And then you're going to take any Tom, Dick and Hank that comes around that's probably not pre-qualified because you're broke. And then you're going to really go into a spiral. So I think having it set up right at the beginning and have this mindset that I'm a business owner and I'm going to treat it like a business is how you start off at the beginning. And if you don't have that money or you're, you're confused or whatever, then Maybe you join a team, you know, maybe you, you, you get part of a coaching program, you know, or a productivity program, but you got to have your money and your foundation right in a plan before you do anything in life. I love the point you just made there. You know, part of why you need those reserves or part of why you need to really understand your budget is so you don't go down the wrong paths. Mm-hmm. So, right. So you're not, so you're not getting the wrong client that, uh, you know, that you're going to, that isn't going to be the best value or so that you don't make the wrong decisions. When people are desperate for money, they just make bad decisions, you know, in general. Keith Cunningham said, you know, uh, you know, the key to being successful is doing less stupid things. Yeah. And when you, when you, when you got to feed your family or you got to get money, you do stupid things, you know, because you're not, you're not in a good state of mind. And if you have your reserves, then you, then you feel like, okay, I got this. You know, I got time to get better at my scripts. I got time at better of my follow-up. You know, you know, I got time to go do my door knocks and you're not so stressed and pressurized. But if you, if you are like that and you need that money and your, your family's counting on you, you could, you know, you could see why people maybe do things that they shouldn't do. And then they become, uneth- I'm not saying they will, but you know, the unethical pieces come in and, and there you, there you have it. So that, that's a big deal. That's actually one of the first times I've thought of you know, being a having a dual career being an advantage for someone as they're learning real estate because that dual career helps them. Because I've heard some people say, no, like jump all the way in and do it because you're not going to succeed unless you do it. But the idea of the safety that a dual career can provide early on, that's like, no, so you get your financial stability there. It helps you really get good at this other job. It helps you make the right decision 
make the right choices. They say, yeah, don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry, right? Because you're going to make, because it's going to be tougher to buy what you need. And the, and I could see the same thing when you're dealing in real estate, we deal with lots of money. We deal with decisions that change things. And the, you know, I, you know, agents sometimes like, I don't, I don't want to disclose that. I don't want to kill the deal. I don't, you know, a, a buyer says, Hey, t- I'll tell them this. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. And the agents have a, a job to guide their buyer, but at the same time, you want to make sure that those decisions are, are, are good. So the, I love the idea of reserves. I hadn't thought about that. I need to go listen to that podcast that Gary Keller did about that. What was the, if you look back at 2020, what's like the number one way you survived 2020 or, you know, that you're t- like, I think a lot of people for a month or two, there was hardly any real estate. Then all of a sudden there was a ton of it. And then, um, but you've got so many agents, you're going to have some agents that have absolutely crushed it. And some that probably haven't done any deals because it's hard to get their offer accepted. What, so what, like, how did you survive 2020 and what did you learn? You know, you know, it goes back to me being a state trooper, you know, I experienced nine 11, right. And, yeah. you know, I was one of the troopers that was sent to the, the Newark airport because that whole group was wiped out uh, in the trade center. So I remember it like it was yesterday, you know, when, when that, that happened, you know, you like, you know, you, you kind of got to re- really refocus and get your mindset in the right place. And, you know, I was a leader at the time being a state trooper and I had to kind of not worry about me being scared and just be ready to lead and, and show the public that I'm okay. Right. And that, that I'm, you know, I'm ready to rock and roll. And I think it's no different for this, this COVID, this situation is we're leaders, you know, and I, you know, you own offices and you got to go there and you might cry at night to yourself and you might have your dialogue with your, your family or whatever offline. But when you get in front of your businesses, they looking at you as the leader and you got to show up, you know, you got to be, you know, for me as a regional director or an owner or my sales team, I got to show up and, you know, how can I help you guys? And, And are you okay? And, you know, uh, do you need anything? You know, and, and I think not only did we do it in my businesses, but even when I talk to recruits, no different. Like, you know, I'm not looking to recruit you now. I'm looking at, do you need help? Is there anything we can do? And that's how we behave just as a, as a, as a region, as a company, a lot of the leaders that I'm around, we behave like that. It was more well, well-being checks and things. Cause listen, truth be told, I mean, our businesses, you know, they, we, we were a little flat in, in uh, April, uh, a little flat in May. And then, I mean, we've had records ever since. So we've seen the best real estate market we've ever seen, you know, in the country. And, you know, a lot of my, my businesses and my owners have, have, you know, received the benefits of that. So I think, you know, we had that little months there. And I mean, listen, there's, there's some uh, unfortunate things in some people's families. Some of our leaders have gotten sick. Their family members have passed. That part, you know, you can't, that's, that's without saying, you know, our, our, you know, we, we care about that and that's a big deal, but I'm saying in terms of business, you know, I, I think it's just keeping your head up and, and, you know, so you, you got to work, right. You got to pay your bills. And I think if you had that mindset, you're good. And then some people put their head in the sofa and really, yeah. you know, whether they, they gained weight, they, they couldn't really function. That's not helping their family. It's not helping their business. It's not helping anything. So you know, we really just tried to, as much as we could, we tried to be business as usual in 2020. And the, the leaders that I've been around and my business partners that I've been around that acted like that, we've done well. The ones that didn't act like that, you know, they were the ones that struggled. You know, they, they were like shutting things down. They, they weren't doing things. They weren't promoting 
you know, growth inside their companies. And, and now they're, they're, you know, some of them are trying to keep their businesses open, you know? So that, that's what I've seen is just, you know, you had to check on people and once you know, they're good, let's go. Right. You know, if you're good, let's go. If you're not good, let's help you. That's, that's kind of how we, we behave. I like that. It's like, the, it's like the check-in is, is everything okay? Are you, are you set? Are you, are, you know, have you, have you got food? Have you got, have you got the things that you need yeah. right now? And and if not, let's work on that. But if you do have the, the needs and you're ready, we talked a lot about it back in April and May that, you know, fear is contagious, but so is leadership. So is confidence. So is hope. And so for a lot of people, whether they're leading an office or just a father or a wife or even a daughter and a son, you know, as we go into whatever 2020 might bring, if we get to bring in that leadership to inspire those around us, the uh, it, is, it is as contagious. I want to say it's more contagious than fear, you know, some people, it's as contagious as fear, you know, being able to bring hope and leadership. And so I, I love that reminder that that's the thing to focus on, you know, that we're okay. And like, yes, and maybe we're crying at home and maybe we're, when I think about the big stresses that I go through, the, my kids don't see that because it, because they have before, yeah. but when they, but when they see that, it really worries them. Like if dad is stressed then they, ha- then they feel like they're worried. If the world is falling apart, but dad isn't stressed they feel like everything's okay. Like they know everything's okay. If the world's falling apart, but dad is stressed. So like, I'm that, I'm that thermometer. Right. And so I think, I think wherever we are in our lives, if we're leaders of our businesses, if our cust, if our clients are looking to us, wherever it is, we're, they're going to be looking at us to go, is everything okay? And being able to, yeah, to you know, I, 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 it's funny. My, my wife doesn't like to fly. So when she's on the plane, she's nervous. She's holding on to me. She's like, oh, like I need a drink and everything. I'm just like, listen, let me tell you, this is the rule of thumb. If that stewardess looks nervous, then you get nervous. As long as she's okay, you're fine. So, you know, like if you think about it, once they look nervous, then you need, then I'm getting nervous. Then hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I think it goes for all of us. You know, when the, the, when the people that are leading that, the, whatever it is, when they're, they're falling apart, everyone falls apart. Right. You know, that, that's, game over you know your president you you name it whoever that is it it, it just is a is a a, a whole effect on people and the, and the more leadership you have the more people you lead the the worse it could be right and you know for me ten thousand people are like what's this guy gonna do you know is he gonna stand up and you know jump, like with social equity i'm i'm the national uh, i'm the co-chair for all of kellowans around social equity and you know gary keller we you know we went right at it you know as a company and you know we we have a, a task force of a bunch of incredible uh, leaders throughout the country that are really passionate about uh, equity. And, you know, we just went at it. You know, we don't play, you know, we just went right at it. And, you know, we've already accomplished things that we haven't done in the 30 some year history of our company. We did in like eight months. Yeah. You know, so. Jumping in as that, as that leader and, re- and taking on the, the tough stuff. And when they, and when they do, when they get to look up to you and say, what's, what's John going to do? And people are watching. People are watching no matter where we are in our lives on how we act. And I think that that's probably one of my big reminders from 2020. For agents in 2021, what do you think the, what, what's, the, what's the secret for the average agent to succeed in 2021? What should they expect? What should they be planning on? How should they do this? Well, I don't, you know, I usually talk to like the big, you know, the Mike McCann's of the world and all those big agents, you know, because of my role. But recently, I because of this you know, uh, the medium, we have this, this zoom and we're able to talk you to, talk to everybody. Yeah. You know, so I've been talking to newer agents and I, and I had this conversation with uh, a younger uh, group of agents and newer uh, agents in the business. 
And number one, 2021, I don't think you're going to see much of a change. I don't think we're going to see the incredible things we've seen before, but I don't, I, I don't, I think it'll stay like where it is or a little bit down, but we don't think it's going to be something, you know, astronomical drop, you know, like we don't, we don't see that as a, uh, you know, Gary and all the people that I trust in this industry, we don't see that. So what, what I would say is, you know, listing inventories down, everyone's saying across the country. So what's that mean is you got to knock on doors, you got to send letters, you got to go and find listings and they might not come find you now, right? You know, that's the, that's the difference. You know, if people know that they can get 20% more return on their, their house, or if they're, they, they really knew what their house was worth, and, you know, the rates are so low. I mean, you know, anybody can buy now and get, a, you know, a great uh, low rate. So, you know, th there's a lot of positives of being a realtor today, um, you know, a new realtor today. But the, the main thing that I, that I found out about the realtor was, you know, their time block is still the problem with all of us, right? Leaders and every, and, and especially with newer agents. So what I seen was their calendar didn't match their goals, and I would say for any newer agent is, you know, when you, when you are going to go and do any businesses, what's your calendar say you're doing and who's holding you accountable to do that, right? And most of the time I see it, that doesn't matter. It's not an alignment between their calendar, their goals and, and their plan. Nothing is matched. So, you know, I think you got to get in, in sync to what, what the heck you're doing. Why are you doing it? How much do you want to make? Go backwards, take the numbers and how many appointments or, you know, how many calls you need to make and all that and actually and truly know what it is. And then your phone should tell you, OK, there's your calendar. What do you what, what am I doing from nine to eleven? What am I doing? Whatever. You know, put your lunch in there and all that. But what are you going to do to actually hit that goal? And and, you know, for a new agent, it might be a lot of calls because you're not going to have a lot of appointments. So it's just a lot of calls up front. And then hopefully in your next next, you know, your next 90, your first 90s more getting established, getting set up. Your second half of your 90 is going to be now appointments, right? So you're going to not have as much call time. Now you have appointment time. And then the next phase, you know, you're going to have, uh, you know, hopefully even more appointments, less time to do that. But now you're going to, you know, you're going to start to trend to have more business. You got to probably be even more detailed with your time block. And then, you know, then you got to start having like some follow-up systems going on and you want to start dripping people. And, you know, little by little, it's just that, that, you know, starting off real small and then kind of growing and compounding it, just like we do with interest in the bank and everything. Same thing with, with a new agent is don't get all upset at the beginning. No one's going to answer your phone. No one cares about you because everyone's selling real estate. But eventually you keep working it, working it. They start to see your, you know, what kind of person you are. You're sending out your postcard. You're knocking on doors. Then you start to get your little, you know, you start to get a little momentum and it only takes one deal. It's just like when you go to casino and you hit that one, you know, you win that one time and you want to go back again, you know, yeah. same thing with real estate. You get that one listing. You're like, yes, I want it again. And then you, whatever you did to get it, you got to work this as hard. Right. And you did now you keep going and you use that one listing to get three or more or four listings because the people see your sign, you know? So I think it's, it's really simple. It's just really having a plan and, and, and time blocking to actually do what your plan says. I love, I, I haven't heard somebody say that your calendar needs to match your goals. And so make sure your calendar matches your goals. If you've got, if you've got your goals to be here, then what is your calendar telling you you're going to do 
on a daily basis with with all the guys that are on my team, uh, you know, for in my companies, I try to work with them a lot on this is what your calendar should look like and try to go like, what do you do every month? What's that first Tuesday of the month? What do you always do? What's that first Wednesday of the month? What do you always do? And sometimes like, well, there's always so much, it's tough to put it into a calendar, but when you can, it really helps us go, no, I'm, I'm doing that. If I'm doing that one thing every month on this day, then I'm not going to have a month where I forget. And when we do, or I'm not going to have a month that I miss it. And when we don't, and we say, no, that's just one of the things that I do all the time. And I do them as they come in. Well, sometimes they get missed because life gets busy. Life gets crazy. Are you guys seeing a gazillion offers on every listing? Yeah. I saw somebody. Yeah, I, I uh, well, you know what? Just the point in, point in here, we're buying a new house in Florida and we put a, what? We put our, it's a new construction. So we put our down payment in July 20th. What's today? What are we in February, whatever? Yeah. It went up $500,000. Holy cow. $500,000. I mean, that's the numbers received. So the, is, it, is the construction the done, done on it? Yeah, I think they got like 15 homes left. Yeah, I was just interviewing, uh, I was just talking with Kelly Skevel on a state of the market that, that you know, that is going to publish right before this one. And I, we were talking about locking in those new home prices right now, because by the time the phases are done, by the time the houses are done, prices are sky high, like with the way, but I have not heard of one $500,000 increase yeah, I, on I, new I'm not, homes. You know, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of the road. There's more expensive ones, but I mean, you know, it's, it's insane. Some, I mean, the million dollar uh, within, I mean, they're going up, they're going up, they were going up, you know, at first it was like 50,000 increments. And then the last one was a hundred thousand dollar increment. And I saw one of the, one of the gals that I've interviewed a few times on this, on, on here, she, I saw her post on her Instagram the other day. She said, well, we wrote 270,000 over asking and didn't get a reply back. So how's your, off, how's your afternoon going? And you start to go like, wow, you hear people offering 500,000 over asking on crazy houses. So what advice would you give to your agents when they say, John, how, how do I get my offer accepted? Everybody is submitting 20, 30 offers on a property. What's the secret to getting accepted? I get messaged this almost every day from uh, people on, on, on Instagram or email on any of their social media is just saying, hey, Aaron, I'm a buyer's agent. I used to do three or four deals a month and now I'm lucky if I get one. How do I get my offer accepted? This is going to sound crazy, but you know, you ever watched The Bachelor? I have. It's, it's been, it's been years, but when it first came out, I think everybody was hooked. Right. Well, you know, you know, I, you know, your wives do that, but you know, once in a while we just peek. At right. It. We get to see a little bit. Yeah. This is recorded. I can't say I watched it every day for sure right. on here. <laughs> and, 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 but I will say if you, if you know anything about it with, with those at the beginning of the show, they all come out to, and they got to impress this guy with the first impression because that night they can go home. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you think about an offer, you know, what's going to make your stand out over 30 other offers? And that's where you got to be creative, you know, whether it be a letter of, you know, how incredible your buyer is, whether it be, you know, something creative that forces their hand that, you know, whatever the number is, will go up 1% or two, whatever that is that your, your real estate uh, area allows you to do ethically, but you need to stand out. And at some point, you know, you got to make sure there's no coercion done on the, the agent part too, that you even forced to make sure your offer gets in front of the, the customer too. Because I know in this crazy time, people will do what they want to do or say, all right, you know, I'm not, you know, ethically they should show all your offers, but does that mean that they did? Right. Right. 
So, so I would make sure, number one, that there's a mechanism that, I, that I'm assured that the seller has seen it. Um, and I also want to make sure that the seller sees something really cool that I really present my business and my client in the, in the light that they know that it will close and that, you know, you, you, you don't even have to worry about it. You accept our offer. We got, we're good. You know, and it's just like, you know, if you, uh, the rental market's incredible here too. I heard like, there's like 3000 square foot single family homes renting for like 20,000 a month here. And like, not, <laughs> not on the water, not on <laughs> nothing, just regular communities, just because there's none here. So what do you do? You, you, you go to the landlord and say, listen, I'll pay you a year up front because you're trying to, to say, you're trying to take out anything that could stop them from giving it to you, right? So instead of just giving them you know, a month or two months advance, say, you know what? I'm going to give you a whole year. Yeah, especially so, at a time when you can't evict people anymore, yeah, I mean, especially you, at a time you, it's you, changing. You, you got you to gotta make yourself stand out so you, so you or your client look like it's a no-brainer because if not... Then, then you're just like everybody else. I love that. So if, a few of the things that you said there. So one, it was like, make a good first impression. Think the bachelor, you can get voted out that night. You've got like, you've got like 10 seconds to make a good impression. How are you going to do it? Make sure that your offer is getting seen by those listings. Because I remember back in 2009, the reason we started buying houses on the courthouse steps was because we would write offers to the agents that had all the REO listings and they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even look at ours. They wouldn't even, they would just tell their buddy like, okay, you need to come in, you know, $100 over these guys. So that, so it was all the same buyers on all the same listings. They weren't showing everything. And so that actually happens. So I think some people would be like, does that actually happen? Yes. So you could write a full price cash offer or, a, or an over asking and they won't even show it to the seller because of those relationships. So have a mechanism in there. And then you even mentioned some of those escalation clauses or something else. So the, what mechanism do you have to make sure you're I mean, because you can say like, hey, have them sign the cancellation and agents could or agents could just be snarky and say, no, he's not going to sign the or, or the, the the whatever, not the cancellation, but the non-acceptance. Right. So if they're going to reject it, have them sign the rejection. Is, is there anything you can do to make them do that other than just pushing the agent and following up? You know, that's where you got to be, you know, ethically, you hope that they do the right thing. I mean, you know, I guess that's where it comes in that, you know, you know, if you're a newer agent, that's where I guess you would have your you would have more of your limitation because an experienced agent has been around. They, they all trust that this person knows what they're doing. If you're a new name, they're like, I don't know who the heck this person is. And you know, I, I don't trust it'll even go, but I see John Clady here who's been doing this for 22 years. I'm pretty confident, you know, if, if the, the same offers are there, I'm going to go with him. You just don't want to be that new agent that gets tossed and it never was seen, you know? Um, so I don't know what you do with that because you, 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 you trust that people do the right thing. And, you know, I don't know. I try to look at the, the 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 greener side of the grass instead of the darker side, and you know, hope that people do the right thing, and they, they have to deal with someone above up up above if they do unethical things. So I'll I'll let that happen for me. Yeah. yeah. No, I like it, John. I think it's great advice. I love I love your story. I love getting to hear your story of going. Hey, you were you were doing real estate on the side. Uh, and you were doing real estate for, for 14 years before you left being a state trooper. Like that is cool. I didn't realize that, you know, the, I, I, I had already ordered your book. I told you before you came on, I need, I'm going to go read it. The book, John's book called leaving six figures, the dual career to a full career. So, you know, we've got tens of thousands of listeners that are doing real estate right now on the side. 
they, they have their jobs and the, and I think it sounds like that your book would be a great book for them just to go get and get to, get to hear that. You know, John, we also have, you know, people that are going to, people are going to reach out on the show. They're going to say, Hey, I want to, I want to ask John about this, or I want to see some of the, the classes he's teaching or, or learn more about, you know, be, becoming a part of one of his offices. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to reach out to you after the show? Yeah. Uh, leaving six figures.com with the number six. If they, if they just go on there, they could reach out to me. You know, I'll get back to them. They could send a message, join the community, um, you know, share some tips. Uh, you know, there's a big community. Like you said, there's a big community of, of leaders, people out there that work in dual career. And, you know, not even that, you know, there, there's people, there's like, we, we, we've had women come up to us that are like um, in bad marriages that can't leave because they don't have money. It's really the same plan. You know, the same plan you try to leave a career, you try to leave a relationship. They're really wow. similar. So, you know, to me, this book meant more than I even thought, because now there's, a, a, you know, a group of people that are able to leave a bad situation because, you know, you're going to plan the same way. You're going to budget your money. You're going to see how much you need, what's the reserves. And then when you actually leave, you know, is this career going to get you the money that you need to do to, to thrive and, and provide for your family? And that's, you know, that's the thing. So, yeah, leavingsixfigures.com, you know, gets right to me. And if I can help them in any way, I, I love helping people. I've heard so many stories, sad and, and positive. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I wrote the book so people don't have to be alone on that journey. You know, uh, that's a that's a scary journey to, to be alone uh, when you're you're hating every day going to work or whatever in a relationship and you can't get out or you feel trapped. That's awesome. Wrote the book so no one has to be alone on that journey. John, I can't wait till we get to hang out again. I don't, I don't know when it'll be, but the, maybe it'll be, be at a, at, at an event again soon. We get the, the, get the families together, get the kids together and get yeah, the chat. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it, man. All right. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.